0: Well, good morning. The book of 1 John uh, we discussed uh, is about the assurance to gain confidence uh, that we, we might know that we have eternal life. That's kind of the theme of the whole book. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next 18 months, 24 months. Hey, it's five chapters. Come on. How many verses do we have this morning? Three. Yeah, so uh so the assurance to gain confidence that we might know that we have eternal life that's kind of what we talked about last week uh and then that, that this eternal life is not a destination or a place uh but this eternal life is life here and now that we're actually living act 1 of our of our journey of eternal life we're in it um and 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 everybody is an eternal being everyone who's born is an eternal being and then your where you end up is basically smoking or non-smoking <laughs> there you have it <laughs> good luck <laughs> So Cliff taught us last week that he, he talked to us in John 15, 5 that, that I am the vine and you are the branches and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. So this eternal life is abiding with Jesus daily and the goal uh, is bearing much fruit. So our lives are supposed to be Fruitful, we're supposed to be bearing much fruit. That's kind of the whole idea And that's what this book gives us is the assurance to have confidence that we can go out and do that Um, And and it it ends and begins with our personal relationship with Jesus That's that's the beginning and the end of it is that personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus that gives us that assurance. That gives us that abiding nature that He so desperately wants for us, and and then, Cliff told us that it's 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 not highlighting what we've done for God, but it's highlighting and understanding what He's done for us. That great gift that He's given us. Um, that you know, as much as I want to, I'm not doing God a solid by coming here this morning. Hey, did you solid God, showed up at Sunday school, it's all good. It's not that, it's, it's understanding what he's done for us. When we start highlighting what we've done for God, that, that tends to push us towards legalism, and legalism's no me gusta. That means no good. So, um, 1 John 1, 5. Uh, and this is the message we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we'd lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that's what we're going to talk about. you notice in that passage, those three short verses? Light, darkness, darkness, light. It's, it's mentioned like four times in, in just three verses. Darkness, light, light, darkness. So, a while back, I was traveling to Sierra Leone. No. I did That's true. A while back, I was traveling to China. I'm sorry, I'm getting all mixed up. I'm trying to look at the pages of my passport, anyway. <laughs> Uh, so I was traveling to China, Oklahoma City to LAX, 9-hour layover, LAX to Hong Kong, 15-and-a-half-hour flight, Hong Kong, 12-hour layover, Nanning, southern China, 3-hour flight, and then, we, and then the house church people picked us up in their big vehicle, which is like a Mini Cooper, and... <laughs> The six of us traveled three and a half hours out to the house church to, one, to this uh, to this girl's home. Where see, we told we told the uh, ministry of public health and the private and the public security ministry you have to register and get an invitation. And all that. we told them we'd be there Monday. Well, we showed up Friday, and uh, so. We showed up at like uh I guess that was about five or six o'clock, and then we traveled the three and a half hours, we get out, and the first thing that uh the missionary girl wants to do is bring us to her family to share Jesus. Because you know how a, a prophet has no honor in his own country? Parents weren't listening to her. So in this really remote village, um and so we start telling her family about Jesus. I don't speak a lick of Mandarin. I don't even know that they're saying words till like three days in. It, it just seems like, it seems like kind of a noise going on, but they're actually communicating and talking. And so for about two hours, this went on, and, and I, ju- I just told Leon, you saw a picture of Leon a couple of weeks ago. I told him, look, Dude, I'm just going to be praying. That's all I'm going to be doing. He goes, well, what else would you do? You don't speak a lick of Mandarin. <laughs> so praying, praying. So I'm sitting here after this, this j- journey uh, uh, like that, and then that, that passage came to me where Paul was preaching, where he was heading to the next place, and poor Euc- uh, Euc- yeah, Euc- Eutychus, Eutychus, Three stories, that's all I can think of, is I'm going to pass out and be drooling on myself, trying to stay awake. Well, um, after about two hours, the whole family comes to Christ. Just amazing that to to be able to see this in real time, and the whole family, I mean, aunts, uncles, cousins, I mean, we're jammed into this little place. It was just the coolest thing ever after that traveling. And and Leon is just a rock star. How can he do this after traveling that far? And the, the kind of jet lag, there's a t- 11 hour time difference or 12 hour, I can't remember, time difference. So it was really easy to call back home, you're just 12 hours off. <laughs> so the family, gives us their beds and and so I I go into my room, my bed, and I'm I'm with this other guy that I traveled with, and they bring in the livestock. So the pigs are right here. There's slats where I can kind of see through them. And so it's no different than my college days, let me just tell you. So So one of the 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 guys I was with was a few years older than me. He was an old guy who was like 60. And for whatever reason, 60-year-olds like getting up in the middle of the night. Don't know why, but they seem to want to get up in the middle of the night. I'm finding that out too. There's no electricity because we're, you know, in this remote village. And he clicks on his flashlight. Well, right up above me is a window. In the loosest sense of the word, window there's no glass in it. It's just an opening, and there's a rooster up there. <laughs> <laughs> Three in the morning, so the other roosters in the village oblige. <laughs> 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 the whole village is awake. Poor Tom stumbling around trying to find the latrine. I have no idea where the latrine is. So anyway, I say that to tell you about light. <laughs> Wasn't that a good story? Anyway, <laughs> doesn't have anything theologically to do with anything. So he says, he says in verse 5, and this is the message we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. God is pure light, and in the sense that he's talking about, that's pure goodness, that's pure love. That's the, that's the imagery that we're looking at, that God is light, there's no darkness, it's just pure love. Remember when uh, Moses was up on the hill with, with God for that period of time uh, dictating the Ten Commandments and so forth. In Exodus 33, Abraham who uh, gets the courage up to say, show me your glory. And what does God say? I'll cause all my goodness to pass before you. So when Abraham asks for show me your glory, God says I'll 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 allow my goodness to pass before you. God is so good, Um, and that's what we have to decide with this light, this goodness. Um, Is this really true? Is this true that God's really this good? to us, um, that, uh, can, that to the point where um, can Jesus be trusted that God is really this good? And then, and then remember, do we believe that? We talked about believe and trust and so forth. Um, that is, Do we have the faith enough to believe that God is this good to us that it will change our behavior, that it will modify how we behave? how we go about our day. Um, do we really believe uh, to the point where it affects our, our behavior? I told you guys about my dad when he was uh, uh, 79. Uh, his wife, my mom of uh, 55 years died and they were without God at all. And they were lost, lost, lost. He, he was a lost soul. And I told you I had the privilege of Leading him to Jesus in the hospital, I was doing some Cliff Sanders bedside manner where I was like, "You're gonna die one of these times in the hospital." <laughs> He's like, "I know that," and it's, so I mean that's the kind of relationship we had. <laughs> You're gonna die. <laughs> Not, none of this tender mercy. I was shaving him one time in the in the hospital after he after towards the end. Uh, after he kind of had a stroke and I was shaving him he goes that hurts and he's bleeding and I'm like it's good for you it makes you feel feel something you've just been laying here in a bland hospital room he goes but it hurts (laughs) anyway it's that compassion so Intellectually, my 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 dad started going, Dick. I just don't get it. So I live my life for nothing. I live my whole life. That's what this comes down to. So, I started giving him C. S. Lewis and Mere Christianity and stuff like that. And he's a real cerebral guy, and he was really getting it. And he just couldn't come to that point of faith. And uh, you know, and, and after I told him he's going to die, and I, and he said, I know that. I've told you guys this. Uh, um, I said, why do you keep saying no to God? Because we'd have long, two-hour conversations about God. And I said, why do you keep saying no to God? And he goes, I'm not saying no. And I'm like, well, you're not saying yes. And that's when, first time I ever saw my dad cry, a tear rolls down his face and goes, I don't know how. And I'm like, well, I got you there. And this, this faith, he didn't have the faith to understand that that is that it's this simple, that God is this good, that you just say yes and then just start obeying and start following. So is, is that where we are? Can we really conceptualize? Can we really understand that God is really this good? Um, and, and it does take n- nothing but faith. We just have to say yes and then just start doing it. And just believing that it's good enough. And then you work yourself into confidence that this whole book is about. That we have confidence to keep acting and keep doing stuff. Verse 6 says, If we say, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. Now, why did he have to put that in there? Because I say that I have fellowship with him. But... News flash, every now and then I sin. (coughs) Don't mean to. So, am I in this category? If we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. So, Cliff and I studied a bunch about this. If we say, John says in this, we, he includes himself in that, thankfully. Thankfully. If we say we have fellowship, partnership, and walk in darkness, that we're a liar. Um, and again, see the contrast between, between light and dark. And we can walk in either. It's a choice. We walk in either. Lightness or darkness. Um, and at my age, I don't generally stumble into sin it's generally pretty willful, you know. I'm choosing. It's a binary choice light or dark, obey, don't obey. And man, I'm losing the audience here. They thought I didn't sin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see my wife. She, boy, she could testify to this. She has her little grandson, so she's in. Wah! So, um,. This is a binary choice. So, if you look back on why John's even writing about this, uh, back during this time, there is this group called the Gnostics. You might say Gnostics, but I don't like wasting consonants. That's why the other night we had Salmon at the house. Oh, it was so good. So, there's this group called the Gnostics. uh, and, they, and the teaching of the time of this group was that, that uh, to the enlightened, which they considered themselves the enlightened, to the enlightened all action is indifferent because neither purity or filth can change the nature of pure gold. That's what they were teaching, that they're pure gold. And whether you behave terribly or you behave well it doesn't matter because you're pure gold scrape it down like what Lance was talking about last Sunday scrape it down there's gold inside so it doesn't matter how they live and they were they were co-opting the Christian church to try to because it was a vehicle that was going places so they were co-opting it and trying to teach that garbage to us and John's countering that by these passages um that, that there is a binary choice of light and darkness. Um, you know, why do we say one thing and we're doing the other thing? Uh, what's the result of that when we say one thing and we do the other? Well, Jesus taught about this in Matthew chapter 7, if you want to go there. Matthew, it's on the handout. <laughs> no, it's not. Cliff is, Cliff's insistent on giving handouts where I give a hand up. <laughs> okay, so Matthew seven, Matthew seven thirteen. Jesus talks about this saying one thing and doing the other, uh, saying you're in light, walking in darkness. He says in, in Matthew seven thirteen, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who are enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Yuck. Those are those uncomfortable ones. So we're talking about we're talking about the wide gate. Um, we're talking about the the gate that, that's broad. We're talking about a road, a, the broad road in my mind, how I do how I think about this. In my mind, it's this really wide, easy-to-get-to passageway, okay? The cobblestones are just worn all, just down to hardly a nubbin. It slopes gently down because it's just easy. It just takes you there. Gravity just, gravity just takes you there. It's easy-peasy. Where the, the, the narrow gate, the narrow gate you kind of have to try to find. Oh, there it is. There's the passageway. And it's got one of those big steps, and it's got a little step. And you're walking, and all of a sudden your shoulders are rubbing on the edge, and you kind of have to weasel your way in to the narrow gate. It takes enormous amounts of energy and effort to stay on the narrow path. He says further down in in John uh, 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons and perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Yikes. So, we've got that. We've got that narrow way. Um, we've got God saying, away from me, you who practice lawlessness. In Genesis 17, um, to Abram, as before he was Abraham, the, I won't go there. Uh, he, he says, I, God says to Abram, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, which means complete. So, do you think that God would tell Abram, and here we are, 6,000 years later, reading these same words, 6,000 years, six millennium later, reading these same words, do you think God would say that to us, challenge us, Coax us if it couldn't be done. Did is he saying this? Then oh no, I can't be done. I can't walk before you. I can't be blameless before you. So there, we're we're reading that m- many will say on that day. Well, didn't we cast out demons? And then he's saying on the other hand, walk before me. You can do this. So it to 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 stay off of the broad road that leads to destruction that many find and go up through the narrow gate takes an enormous amount of energy for me. I don't know about you guys, but it, it takes an inordinate amount of energy for me to walk on that narrow path. I mean, it's stinking hard for me to stay on that narrow, narrow path. Um, it takes massive amounts of energy and attention when when what what is that who said that the the idle mind is a devil's workshop your grandmother cliff's grandmother in first hesitations so it takes energy to pay attention to stay on the to stay on the narrow path but then you can get into that deal where, you, where we talked about, it. you get into legalism. I did this for you, God, and I did that for you, God. Aren't I something? So it's it's that continual, it's almost like a, what's the word? It's almost like a dialectic. <laughs> Extra credit out the wazoo right here. <laughs> where you're, you're bouncing between doing stuff for God and then, understanding what God's done for us, and how great he is, and how much we love him, without getting into that legalism. But it takes all this energy and attention to stay on the narrow path, because the broad path just pulls you there. Come on, come on, we're going this way. Everybody's going on the broad path. We're going to geek out just for a second here. I took, I took a lot of physics and chemistry in college that you paid for dad, so we're getting something out of it. (laughs) So if you look at the second law of thermodynamics, it states that the state of entropy of the entire universe will always increase over time, seems real easy. Entropy always increases over time where entropy is defined as randomness or disorder or chaos. So randomness, disorder, and chaos always increase over time. Unless you add energy to the system, that's what's going to happen. So don't change the oil in your car. Uh, When my kids used to open the refrigerator and hang on it and just look, I'm like, hello, wake up, what are you doing? All the cold air comes out, and all the warm air goes in. It wants to go to equilibrium, and to get it back, you have to add energy back to the refrigerator to get it cool again. Same with the the outdoor. Hey, were you born in a barn? I go over to my one daughter's house right now. I just open the refrigerator. Turn on lights. Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Just, I don't know. I don't know. So fun. So, um, this, to, to defeat this, this entropy, this randomness, this, this disorder, um, you, have to, you have to add energy to it. If you put a, best illustration for me is if you put a salt lick. You guys know what a salt lick is? How many have licked a salt lick? Thank, oh come on, that was a lie, we're in church. Everybody's licked a salt lick. I lick them when they're out in the field, when the cows are out there. I'm here. My immune system is bulletproof. So if you put a salt lick out in the field and you come back in a couple of weeks, wait, watch this. I'm a, I am had a call, sent a text. We're good. Um, so uh, if you uh, put a salt lick out in the field and come back in a couple of weeks, a nice, square, uniform, perfect salt lick going to be all rounded off with tongue holes in it and rain has rained on it. And it's going to, it's disorder. In order to make it square again, you'd have to melt salt and put it all back together and put it in a form and press it and get it all. You have to add energy. So that's what happens in nature is it, it tends towards chaos if you don't add energy to the, to the system and, um, And that's the same thing here. Which is easier for us? Is it to walk in spiritual light or is it to walk in spiritual darkness? I mean, it takes no effort to walk in spiritual darkness. It takes no effort to go down the broad path that's gently sloping away that has worn cobblestones. That's easy peasy. That comes naturally like that. Um, Again, it's a... It's a binary choice, but you have to show effort. We have to show effort to choose the narrow path. So, I'm trying to think about this. Cliff and I talked about this extensively about, I'll I'll try to explain it this way. So, if we say we have fellowship, um, yet walk in darkness, we're liars. So that's the premise of this little exercise. So in Sierra Leone, I knew there was a Sierra Leone in this this story one way or another. In in Sierra Leone, uh, we were going to go and drill a water well way, way back in 08 with Rick Webb. Yeah! You remember this, don't you? So, yeah, there you go. So we, so should we go? So we pray about it and we plan, and we plot, and we scheme, and we seek counsel, and we raise funds, and we ship materials over. Um, and we travel, what, 35 hours. Um, and, and then when we go out to this remote village, it's a four hour, uh, four hour uh, ride in a truck. Two hours of that's off road. The end of the road, we get in a hollowed out log boat. And we go across the canal and then we walk another mile, mile and a half into the village, stay there for a couple, three days, drill the well, uh, train the folks as best we can. It's a solar pump. This is photovoltaic uh, electricity here and they're looking at you like, how do you translate photovoltaic into (laughs) Creole? Anyway, Um, and then we leave. So, now, Rick, since you're in on this story, I am not judging. I'm here telling a story, okay? So, the pastor that was ahead of this whole group, he was the head of an orphanage and head of a ministry group, he was the pastor that was ahead of this group. Um, Come to find out he had multiple off-the-books businesses that he was funding with Donor dollars from the donors. Come to find out, he was renting children when donors would come in. He was renting children to come into the orphanage, oh, wow. so that he. Oh yeah, see, I got eighty kids here, so that's uh, hundred bucks a kid, and I need your money. And he had four or five different groups he was doing that with. The pastor, in the name of Jesus, um, lying, cheating, stealing. As a, course, uh, as a course of business. Again, Rick, not judging, just stating, okay? Yeah. <laughs> no remorse, no repentance, no humility as the pastor. So this is the best way I, c- I can explain it. I'm going to go right on the board with my enormous... Writing skills that's why I don't ever write on the board because I can't spell so the end of words get all like that <laughs> anyway, so Along the way on, on our trip to Sierra Leone uh, we're, we're going up we're planning we're moving along we're doing stuff. Oh somebody got tired and got a little snippy with somebody else uh, We're going along like that. Oh, somebody got a little bit selfish on, you know, three squares of toilet paper, I want four. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going along, somebody, up, going along, somebody gets a little bit pouty. <laughs> and then we drill the well and we have success. We praise Jesus and go home. Okay? That was the trajectory of our mission trip with the pastor that's with us who is, as a course of business, is lying and cheating and stealing, saying that he's a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what, we were, that's what we were looking at. So in the course of what we were doing, yeah, we got a little bit snippy with each other every now and then. I mean, it's a long flight. It's terrible conditions. It's hard. But we're right back in it. We're right back praying with each other. Get a little bit pouty, a little bit 8th grade girlish sometimes. I'm not besmirching 8th grade girls. Again, this is just facts. So we get a little bit of that. But in the course of things, we turn it around. We confess. We move on. And we're doing stuff like this. Whereas this man set his lifestyle up. His entire existence as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, lying and cheating and stealing, and doing awful things, as a course of business. So, that's kind of that's kind of the difference that we're talking about here. And so, um, in in. John 15, 14, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. Um, and C.S. Lewis has a quote. I was going to read the whole thing, but for whatever reason, I lost it. Um, unless I put it back here, hang on. Uh, no, he, C.S. Lewis basically says, "No man knows how bad he is until he's tried to resist temptation." That basically um, if, you, if you just give in to temptation, first rattle off the box, out of the box, you don't know what it would have been like resisting temptation for an hour, if you give in right away when temptation comes. You wouldn't have known what it'd been like the next day if you resisted. He, he gives the example that um, you don't know how strong the German army is if you just surrender. <laughs> I surrender. But you know how strong, because he was a World War II guy, you, you know how strong the German army is by fighting against him and, and gutting it out. And the same with Jesus. Jesus was tempted greatly for forty days, forty nights, and didn't give him. He knows how strong this temptation is. So we need to show some some heart. We need to show some gumption when it comes to resisting uh, this temptation. Um, so again, the easy path is caving right when it comes, going down the going down the. The broad path, the hard path is, is fighting with that thing. If you turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 2, this is, this is where it gets kind of nice, I think, for us. So, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse uh, 17... This is talking about Jesus. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brethren in all things that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make a propitiation for the sins of people, to make allowance, to make forgiveness for the, for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And a real similar, continuing this theme in Hebrews 4, 14, just switch over to Hebrews 4, 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are yet without sin." Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus knows how hard this is. He was right there with us. In Gethsemane, he was sweating blood because he was just, oh, if it could be any other way. And he's sweating blood. He knows how hard it is down here. Yet he made a way for us to make it. Okay? And then he tells us what the theme of this book is. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Jesus wants us to bum rush him. We're supposed to bum rush Jesus to the throne of grace with confidence. So that's... All this thing of walking in darkness and so forth, I'm, it's hard to convey this, that, you know, if you guys are concerned about that passage in, in 1 John 5, 6, about walking in darkness and the truth is an innocent lying, you're good. You're good to go. If you're concerned about it, it's this right here where there's no concern. It's the Gnostics that said, pfft, I can do whatever I want to do. God owes me. I'm gold. Woo! That's not that great of, a, <laughs> of an attitude. So, he knows how hard uh, to live this life abandoned for Jesus. He knows how hard this is. That's what he tells us there in Hebrews, is that we have a high priest that went through it, yet didn't sin, and he knows this is tough, and he had to go through that so he could empathize, so he could sympathize with us and communicate clearly with us on how hard this really is down here. As good as we have it in this country, in America, it's still tough. Um, and he, and the, the, the cool thing is, is God made provision for our humanness. He made provision because he knows that we're human. And the provision is this, next, is this next verse in 7, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Is that not good news? That's fantastic news. That's the provision that he made for our humanness, because he knows we would need some a wise Bible scholar told me that that word cleanses in that passage, cleanses us from all sin, is in some kind of tense that means continually cleansing. Not just one. And for me, I'm on the spin cycle, wash cycle, extra heavy, okay, all the time, all temperature. But that That passage means continually cleansing us from all of our sin. Not just one and done, continually cleansing us from all of our sin. And if we walk in this light, and remember John's including himself in this, he keeps saying we in this thing. What happens if we walk in the light? What happens if we obey in the light? We have fellowship with one another is what he says in that passage. That we have fellowship with with each other, just like this morning. This is pretty good to come to this great big place, get to rub rub up next to each other, get to get to express our love for Jesus here and in the next service. And then what what we read last week in chapter in one in chapter one verse four. And these things we write so that. Our joy may be made complete. That's what we're after. That's what God's after. He wants us to have complete joy. That's what he wants for us. Remember John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full? Why would he say that? He wants us to have life to the full. Why didn't God make flowers gray? He made them pretty. They didn't, he didn't have to. He could have made them gray, and we had gone, oh, that's a gray flower. Yeah. Ooh. No, they're beautiful. He did this for our enjoyment. He did this for us to have joy in him. It's just like if, if you guys have grandkids. I'm not going to say kids because you're just getting through it with kids. But when grandkids come, wow, is that ever fun? And you want to do everything for that little kid. So... When we obey, when when we do it right, we have that fellowship with Jesus, we have that abiding with Jesus, and we get to tap into the vine to receive power to go do stuff. John John 15, 7 and 8 says, if you abide in me, John 15, 7 and 8, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll it'll be done for you. By this... Is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Proven to be his disciples by bearing much fruit. When we bear much fruit, we are full of joy. My dad couldn't believe that it was this good and it was this uncomplicated. That's that's the, the point that he finally had to come to and just say, okay, I believe. And he spent the next four years, from 80 to 84, as a Stephen minister, ministering to dying people, helping the senior adults in his his church, living a life full of Jesus, his last four years. Absolutely amazing. And this is the beginning of eternal life. This is what we talked about last week. This is that beginning of eternal life. The, There's a passage that from Wesley that came out that said, the, the life of God in the soul of man. The life of God in the soul of man to help us gain this assurance that when Jesus looks at us, when we call out to him, his arms are open and he has a smile on his face. He's, he, his kids are doing it right. And that's all he wants. He wants his kids to do it Right takes effort on our part, in my case, a ton of effort, takes effort on our part to do this thing, to walk through the narrow path, not the broad path, takes me thinking all the time, because I can switch it off and become like adult, like that. And then when he sees his kids not walking in darkness and trying hard And that's where we can start building that relationship with him forever. Our life relationship, our eternal life that is now, that continues on. And so when we have that, when we understand what that relationship is, that starts building confidence. That passage in Hebrews that we have confidence to run to the throne of grace. This whole book tells about the confidence that we have in this relationship that we get to have with Jesus. And when the confidence comes, now we can lean into that difficult relationship. Now we can forgive the unforgivable to, say, to keep saying yes to Jesus that puts you sleeping with pigs. That's my uh, Native American name, sleeps with pigs. <laughs> I never thought I'd be doing that. But that's what I ended up doing because I just kept saying yes, like that. So this week, this week when temptation comes, in the, temp, unless you're this, temptation will come. All right. So this week when temptation comes, think about this: the choice of light, dark, of uh, wide, narrow. The wide road, the the narrow path. Um, Think about obey, disobey, and then choose that choose that light, choose to resist, to overcome, and then intentionally celebrate that. I don't think we celebrate our our wins enough. That when temptation comes and we and, oh, and we make it through. Yes, I made it through. Celebrate. Tell God, man, that was tough, God, but I made it through. Thank you. And that will give you more confidence to go do more things. You'll just want to. It's just the weirdest thing ever. That when we, when we can resist, when we overcome, celebrate that this week. Intentionally tell God Thanks. And then you're going to have a time where you didn't. Uh oh. Tell him that. He knows, remember? We have a great high priest that went through these temptations. He sweat blood. He knows how tough this is. And he made provision for us to be continually cleansed. And that's what we're supposed to do, is have that attention. And let's, this week, let's celebrate this. Let's bum rush Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you that you made such provision, that you love us so greatly. And um, don't understand it, but Lord, we believe. And Lord, this week as we go out, temptation's going to come. And I pray that each of us is able to consciously choose correctly and overcome. And when we don't, Lord, thank you, yet you made provision that you look on us with the blood of your son on our lives. Thank you for that, Lord. As we go into worship, we praise you and give you all glory so that your joy and our joy may be made complete in Jesus' name. Amen.